Hey there, spooky friends. It's Megan. And before we hop into the episode, I want to tell y'all a little bit about what we've got coming up in person next. We're so excited to announce that our friends at Little Cottage Brewing have invited us back for a monthly spot with trivia. So that means it's time to mark your calendars with a few dates to come hang out with us and play along. On December 13th, join us for Creepy Holiday Trivia, where we'll have questions ranging from spooky holiday traditions around the world, mischievous holiday mythical beings, holiday-themed horror movies, and more. Then, on January 17th, join us again for a deck themed around fears and phobias. Last but not least on the calendar is February 14th for a theme of romance and scorned lovers in horror. We can't wait to see you on December 13th, January 17th, and February 14th for some excellent craft beer and a scary good time. Okay, 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 I get it. Now, on to the episode. There again, ghoulies. Welcome back to another mini-sode of Clever Ghouls. I'm Megan, and today I'm going back to my ballet roots to talk to y'all about ballet's history with the horror genre. As most of you know by now, before I was deep into the world of data, AI, machine learning, and research, I was deep into the world of psychology, neurocomputation, and therapy. And before that, I was a ballerina. So in this mini-sode, we're going to really dive into ballet and its history and relationship with horror and try to answer questions like, what is it about ballet that is so enchanting yet inherently terrifying and even do some psychoanalysis of our favorite ballet-centric horror movies like Black Swan, Suspiria, and Red Shoes. I've been dancing since I could walk and have a long and oftentimes tumultuous history with the dance world, ballet specifically. It is by far one of my greatest loves in life, but it has also brought me some of my darkest moments. Since we're doing a full episode on Black Swan, I wanted to really dig into ballet and its history and evolution within the horror genre, and even do some deeper digs into how it's represented in Black Swan. Ballet, while it looks effortless and graceful and soft, is grueling. That beauty is entirely masked behind bleeding toes, broken bones, eating disorders, mentally and physically grueling rehearsals and training schedules, and an oftentimes obsessive mentality that allows someone to pursue something that is so strange. And given that archetypal ballets such as The Nutcracker and Swan Lake are based on fairy tales and 19th century gothic stories, an unsettling amount of surrealism pervades the performances themselves, and it's no wonder that this art form has earned such a distinct place in the world of horror. And speaking of fairy tales, perhaps one of our most iconic examples of ballet horror being molded from these stories is Powell and Pressburger's 1948 film, The Red Shoes. While this film is technically listed as a drama and not horror, I beg to differ. Adapted from Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tale of the same name, the film follows a young ballerina named Vicky as she falls prey to a controlling and otherwise abusive choreographer and, along with a pair of bewitched ballet shoes, must ultimately dance herself to death. There is an ominous meta-commentary that hits far too close to home on the psychological trials that Vicky goes through. She ultimately becomes a sacrificial lamb, giving herself as an offering to the art which she was so dedicated to. At the climax of the film, Vicky jumps from a balcony to chase Julian and she is hit by a train. It's a mystery on whether the death is suicide or whether she was murdered by those aforementioned bewitched red shoes, but the tragic storyline exemplifies the obsessive nature of dance and how it is all-consuming, and in Vicky's case, it leaves no room for love. It orbits around the film's iconic dialogue where Lermontov asks Vicky, why do you want to dance? And her response is simply, 
Why Do You Want to Live? A few decades later, we are given one of my favorite horror films in general, the 1977 film Suspiria. This movie equates the demands of ballet with ritualistic witchcraft. As a newcomer, Susie joins a German dance academy that turns out to be a witch coven. The ballerinas are carefully indoctrinated into what can only be described as a cult, only to be murdered whenever one of the matriarch demands a sacrifice. This movie, and most all horror films that center around ballet, are driven by themes of control, both the self-control that it takes to perfect the art and the control dancers often face from choreographers, instructors, directors, or even parents. And while these themes of abuse and control from others are plenty horrifying on their own, the abuse that a ballerina places on themselves is equally, if not more, terrifying. I mentioned earlier the amount of physical, mental, and emotional drain and dedication that is required to make it to a certain level in the ballet world. It is truly, without exaggeration, a blood, sweat, and tears art form. And no movie showcases a dramatized view of the mental abuse that comes with a pair of point shoes quite like Black Swan does. The film takes a slightly more realistic approach in that instead of being possessed by witches or a pair of magical ballet shoes, protagonist Nina is the antagonist of her own story. New York ballet dancer Nina, played by Natalie Portman, begins to lose her grip on reality when she is chosen to play a dual lead role of the white and black swans in the company's production of Swan Lake. Nina begins to hallucinate a rival named Lily and is played by Mila Kunis and slides further and further into self-harm, exhaustion, and psychosis. Like Vicky in The Red Shoes, the film ends with its main character literally dancing herself to death in pursuit of perfectly embodying her art. I was perfect, Nina whispers triumphantly before she slips away, ultimately. And Black Swan is one of those movies that gets scarier as each moment passes. It is no secret that this movie is heavy on the psychological themes, but the film also produces much of its tension through several very physical and very hard-to-watch scenes. Many of them blend body horror with mental warfare, leaving you totally unsure whether the events are real or not. And ballet, although beautiful and graceful, is honestly kind of its own form of body horror. The way we dancers have to move and contort our body while gorgeous is unnatural. And the cinematography of this movie does an excellent job of making the position seem even more peculiar and painful. The scene that really drove this point home for me the most was the scene where Nina receives a massage. It illuminates just how rough the body is being treated. It highlights how much damage is being done to our bodies from this intense ballet training. Her whole skeleton seemingly needs to be adjusted because of how she has to contort herself. In the end, Nina's body does end up being completely altered through dance. Although this movie is a dramatization of how our bodies change from our time with this art form, it is a concept that is very close to home for many of us ballerinas. In this movie, feathers begin to poke through her pores and the skin between her toes melt together to form webs. She literally begins to morph and succumb to her role. But the fragility that is fractured in this film is her mental fragility rather than her physical. The main lesson of Black Swan, though, is that the two are unfortunately very intertwined and it serves as a metaphor for pushing yourself far beyond your limits to the point of self-sabotage and self-destruction. Just as dance is a mesmerizing representation of the body's physical limits, dance horror is intoxicating in its grotesque exploration of the body. The genre has produced visually stunning films that showcase the disturbing nature of losing control of or destroying your mind and body. Lermontov sums up the genre the best in his warning that the great impression of simplicity can only be achieved by a great agony of body and spirit. But what exactly is it about this pairing of ballet and horror that is so hauntingly beautiful and equally absolutely terrifying? I ultimately think it's because ballet is not anarchy. 
It's full of tradition, technique, and strict rules, and that's what makes it such great horror fodder. So much of the horror genre is all about the destruction of what is traditional and conservative. It's why most of our notable classics like Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street take place in peaceful, everyday suburbs. Imagine an expansive room lined with stark, cold flooring. Floor-to-ceiling mirrors cover the walls, and as you stand in the center of the room, all you can see is yourself drowning in your own reflection. The room is wide yet still stuffy, and this is just your typical ballet studio. Taken on its own, this real-life mise-en-scene is kind of disturbing. But when you add dancers to the shell of a room, the horror is only heightened. Ballerinas have a reputation of addressing ballet in a way that is harsh in juxtaposition to their dainty sport. As an example of this idea for those unfamiliar with the ballet community, the ballet jargon used throughout the rehearsal sequences in Black Swan is surprisingly aggressive. When Nina is practicing the foyetes for her Black Swan choreography, for example, the choreographer yells, attack it, attack it. And this line wasn't added to the movie for the sake of deeper horrific meaning. This is a phrase that choreographers use when a dancer is working through foyete technique and other demanding turns. Attack it, though, is not the only example of a ballet phrase with aggressive connotations. Ballerinas kill pirouettes snap into releves and gut point shoes. Nina roughly handles her points, cutting and puncturing the satin, which arguably bears an eerie resemblance to human flesh. In this moment, she transforms into a murderer, and the once pretty point shoes, which acts as a tangible manifestation of dance, are her victim. And despite its elegant exterior, it is no secret that ballet is a highly dangerous sport, both physically and mentally. About 75% of dancers report struggling with mental health issues from it, and 82% report suffering between one and seven injuries in just one year of dancing. Mentally, ballet does have a reputation for being an all-consuming thing for dancers, just as the horrific other often consumes a horror protagonist's thoughts. Nina's last words in Black Swan are a prime example of this idea. As she succumbs to her self-inflicted wounds, she whispers, perfect. It was perfect. In her last moments of life, all that Nina can think about is her ballet execution. And she's content because ultimately she has killed the version of herself that was holding her back from mastering the essence of the Black Swan, which is all she craved to do. Consumed by the internal turmoil and mental health issues that are so prevalent in many ballet communities, dancers often regard themselves as their worst enemy. And this duality isn't lost on me, and it's something that I bring up in episodes a lot. In horror films, the juxtaposition of the expected with the unexpected often creates a deeply disturbing experience. In Black Swan, among many other horror films focusing on ballet, the intrinsic beauty of ballet is forced with generic conventions of horror. As an art form, ballet is poised and polished, but there is so much more lurking beneath the surface. It's this unexpected duality that reflects as well as elevates the suspense and shock so native to horror films. And I bet you thought you were safe with a minisode on ballet to escape without me bringing up Freud yet again, didn't you? Well, guess again, ghoulies, because in his influential essay on the uncanny, Sigmund Freud understands uncanniness as the feeling evoked when something is frightening due to its departure from familiarity. Ballet audiences are accustomed to maintaining a degree of separation between the performance and what goes on backstage. Films like Black Swan, however, prevent audiences from controlling what they do and do not see. Aronofsky literally zooms in on Nina's spiral into madness, depicting her life both on and 
off stage in a way that is unfamiliar for a theatrical ballet audience. The abundance of close-up shots throughout this film is unsettling and claustrophobic, and the viewer is met with uncanniness when their existing perception of ballet is changed and horror is suddenly introduced into the narrative. Beyond the film lens, though, the more physical aspect of dance can sometimes inspire this uncanniness, too. The way we as dancers bend and contort our bodies can absolutely invoke this feeling. It is familiar, yet so foreign. And through his exploration of the uncanny, Freud came up with this idea of doubling. Freud refers to the German words heimlich, meaning familiar, and unheimlich, meaning unfamiliar. This barrier is what brings the two together to form the uncanny. It's when something unfamiliar gets added to something which is familiar. And it's these themes of uncanniness that then allowed for Freud to suggest his idea of the double. In terms of self-perception, the double is a representation of the opposite of what is perceived by the individual person. It represents the aspects of humanity that we as humans deny in order to preserve our self-image or the core aspects of what makes each person unique. The doppelganger, or double, is a visual representation of the darker parts of the individual psyche that humans deny so that they're seen by other people in society in a better way, as opposed to who they truly are at their core. Therefore, in film, the doppelganger would be represented as a person's worst fears visualized into something they're scared of becoming. When ballerinas pirouette onto the stage, it's effortless, graceful, and so beautiful. You'd never know the mental, physical, and emotional pain that so often goes on behind the scenes. Ballet is grueling, and it takes a major tool on the dancer, all in pursuit of perfecting the art form that we so deeply and desperately love. And because of that, it has a strong relationship and a rich history with the genre of horror. But that is it for this mini-sode, friends. This particular topic is such a fun intersection of some of my most favorite things, so I hope you had fun with it and you learned something new. I'll have everything I referenced linked for you in the show notes as always, and if you like this episode, please turn on those auto-downloads so you never miss an episode. And go like, review, share, and all of that fun stuff. If you haven't listened to our full episode on Black Swan yet, jete on over there to listen to that immediately for even more ballet, psychoanalysis, and spooky themes. Stay creepy, friends. The Clever Ghouls podcast is run by Megan, Marissa, Blair, and Melissa. This episode was done by Megan. Our intro and outro music was created for us by Josh Marshall. Find his links in our show notes. For more episodes and other spooky content, find us on your favorite social media platform through our handle at Clever Ghouls. Don't forget to subscribe and share. And if you really like our content, please leave us a review.